We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, we're doing this a day late because obviously we'll, we'll get into why we're doing this a day later than we usually do. Um, <laughs> but I got, uh, and yeah, it was it was worth it. We'll tell you guys why in, in a few minutes here. I was watching the Giants game last night. I covered my, you know, one of the teams I added is the Giants. And so I was watching the game and it got out of hand, obviously. And I started thinking about this podcast today and I started to write a little bit about what I wanted to talk about. And here's what I wrote. I said, there's Mahomes, there's Allen, there's Burrow, there's Lamar, there's Herbert, Trevor Lawrence could get in this conversation. But these are the guys that will control the AFC for the next decade, probably. And other guys might come in the league, but those are the guys right now. And if you want to compete in the AFC, you want to compete in the NFL, you need one of those guys. You need a dude. And I'm not ready to say to you here now that Anthony Richardson is a dude. I'm not saying he's even close yet, but what I am saying is that when I watch him, he's got a chance to be one of those guys. He's got a chance at least to get into that tier that takes the Colts to a level where they can compete with some of those guys. Now, again, a long way to go, but some of the things that we saw him do against the Rams on Sunday, if that can be harnessed over four quarters and for an entire season, that guy is capable of quite a lot, quite a bit. (laughs) yeah that was my takeaway as well I mean just watching him from like the middle of the third quarter on obviously didn't touch the ball in overtime but he was the best player on the field for a quarter and a half and he was unstoppable whatever he wanted to do he could do it and the most intriguing part about it is you know him being the dual threat quarterback that he is He used his legs to extend plays and make plays, but he didn't do a whole lot of running in the second half. And to be honest, I don't even think he gained a rushing yard in the second half. I think he had like two rushes, got stuffed on both of them, whatever the case may be. But a lot of it was just decisive throws, game-breaking throws to get his team back in it. And then when you're in that five yard line range down there near the goal line i mean what can you do to stop that guy if you you know spread it out and try to just man up everyone he'll just outrun whoever you put on him to the end zone or they'll do the typical qb draw and he just like you know guts you which is a hard play to cover period for any you know dual threat quarterback you see it with lamar you see it with Jalen hurts you've seen it now with anthony richardson but then something interesting that Drew Ogletree said yesterday when I asked him about his first touchdown catch, he was like, well, we ran the same play. And this time the linebacker didn't stay with me. He went to Anthony, and so he just flicked it over to me. So it just, Shane Steichen has continued to find ways to put Anthony Richardson in position to succeed. And again, he just looked, as EJ Speed put it, electric. As Rodney Thomas said, he's a monster. You know, you got guys who... I mean, EJ Speed had a really cool quote where he was like, man, I can't even like sit down when I'm on the sideline because you want to see what this kid is doing. And that is what he brings to this team. Now, EJ Speed did own the fact. I know there were some commenters in my story from the game. They were like, hey, well, you know, I think I had a line there that said EJ Speed knew they blew a golden opportunity. And people were like, well, he was part of the reason. Yes, he owned that. I did ask him about the 
lay hit on Matthew Stafford. Basically, what he said was, I thought that Matthew was going to like try to get the first down on third down. So he didn't let up when he hit him. He did say it was a boneheaded play, bad play, something that changed the momentum of the game. Owned it, which is classic EJ speed. Um, he doesn't run from any of the spotlight, whether it's good or bad. But he did admit that. But also, he he was frustrated they didn't give the ball back to Anthony Richardson in overtime because he felt like that was his moment, and they let it slip away after the furious, you know, 23-0, 23 23-23 comeback. Um, so that was uh that was tough, but yeah, it feels like I left there thinking, okay, I'm waiting for him to hit that rookie wall, and it hasn't happened yet. It, it'll happen. We're, we're a month in, but I mean, he looks good, Jim. He looks good, talented. Peek behind the curtain for you guys a little bit. <laughs> James did have that stuff in his story on EJ Speed. I took it out, and we could tell you we could talk about why. Essentially, it was we were kind of focused in the story on Anthony Richardson, but James. Is as thorough a reporter as you guys are going to get. So don't like if again if you have any questions, James has them. So uh, he <laughs> has the good. answers for you. He just like I said, I I was just trying to narrow it on. It was a Richardson story, so that's on me. If you guys are upset, you can blame me. That was on me. So anyway, I will say EJ Speed can beat himself up as much as he wants for that, and deservedly so. But the guy who should be beating himself up is is Kylan Granson. That, that, that throw, yeah, that play, yeah, that play, yeah. man, that that they, they win that game if he makes that catch. I think. I mean, I think. I mean, let's also let's be clear. And when you say that Anthony Richardson was the best player on the field for that quarter and a half, that is high praise given how friggin' well Matthew Stafford was playing in that game. I mean, he looked yeah. outstanding. And again, I agree with you. I'm just saying that was how good Matthew Stafford was playing. But my point being is, Kylan Granson makes that catch. And again, I don't want to knock Kylan Granson too much. He's played pretty well this year, but got to make that play. That throw is a friggin' dart and a need to have it. Oh, that's the other thing about Anthony Richardson. I'm going to get into some other stuff I like, but just no moment too big, man. And no moment too big. Like, again, it's, it's, he's, he's playing in his first finally healthy, right? First, you know, kind of like he trying to down to the wire. Uh, I guess he had another one of those earlier in the year, but like he's making these big time throws in big time moments. And it's just the poise you wrote about it. I mean, it's just, he's got it all in terms of the intangible stuff that you'd want to see from a guy. And he's also not, you know, there are guys that have that intangible stuff that are mellow and don't show emotion. But and again, that that can work and is good. But I I do kind of love watching Anthony Richardson. Like this guy's fired up around him because he gets fired up for these big moments. I, that two point conversion. If you guys watch through the end of the play, when he just makes something happen, and then he gets shoved. I can't remember who the defender was. Just shoves him. Richardson is freaking pumped up and does some talking after that, after he completes that play. He does a little talking to the defense after that two-point conversion. And I think, again, I think his teammates love it. I think they love him for it because he not only, he took that big hit. Yeah, and you hold your breath, right? Because you're like, man, this guy's got to end the game healthy. And that's part of it. You're going to put yourself at risk with the way that he plays. But the real win was that he finished the game healthy. I reminded him of that in the pre- post-game press conference. He did not want to hear it. But, hey, I, I, had to, I had to ask, hey, man, you, you left on your own terms this time. But, no, he was he was special. And I think one of the cooler celebrations we're seeing is the 360 spike. Yes, is, let's talk about that. I mean, oh, man, that is some that is a nice celebration. And I'm not saying that because I cover the Colts, but no one else does it. He's the only no. one that does it, and he's the only one that can make it look that cool because athletically, it's hard to do unless you're him. I mean, he's jumping and, you know, what, 30 inches off the ground and spinning and rotating. He just spikes it like, you know, Superman or something, and he screams and he's fired up. But, I mean, after the game, they had all these 
weird stats about, you know, Anthony Richardson and how many rushing touchdowns he's had and how young he is to be doing the stuff that he's doing. And so all of those things kind of just remind you of what he's capable of. Like, I'll read off a couple of them here, but he was the first rookie in NFL history to record four rushing touchdowns in his first three games that he's played in. Now, he obviously missed one. He became the first quarterback in franchise history to re- register a rushing touchdown in three consecutive games. Welcome to the modern NFL. <laughs> Richardson is the first rookie quarterback to tally one rushing touchdown in three consecutive games that he's played since Jameis Winston in 2015. That was obviously eight years ago. And here's the, here's the kicker. He is the youngest player in the Super Bowl era with multiple passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown in a single game, according to NFL research. I'm kind of surprised that Cam, the Cam Newton rookie season where he just went ballistic on everybody, he didn't have some of those. Exactly, and that lets you know, like, okay, wow, he's doing stuff that Cam Newton didn't even do throughout a really good rookie season, obviously a, a really good career in the NFL. So, again, hats off to that kid. He's looking like the part, looking like a dude, looking like a franchise quarterback so far. And the fun thing about it, as we talked about briefly off air, is that C.J. Stroud has been balling as well. So maybe it is. I know – it's really early. It's really, really early. I want to stress that. But I do remember Jim Irsay after the game in Houston. He was saying, oh, is this Brady Manning? You know, and I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. But it looks promising. I'll say that through the first month of the season. Like as an impartial observer, I, I you can only hope, right? Like, again, I hope CJ Stroud is that good and Richardson's that good. So we can watch it twice a year. Those two guys going at each other. By the way, I wanted to get back to the spike. My only thought every time I see him do it is Vince Carter. Does that feel like Yeah, actually, that is really cool. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually, yeah, that's a good crossover. Okay. Vince Carter was like the epitome of cool, too, and with the dunks. And I obviously, I, I could just, the way Richardson pulls it off, not just the fact that he can athletically do it, but just the way he does it, I get Vince Carter. Yeah, I don't remember I him it. doing it at Florida. So I got to ask him about it. I'll get to the bottom of this, listeners. We will. I love that. Look for that story on the athletic. Yeah, Yeah, and and I will not be asking (laughs) that question in a huge scrum full of people. I have to sneak my way around and, uh, you know, maneuver sort of way. But no, he's a talented guy. And I will say this, too. I didn't put this in the story, mainly because I didn't say for sure what was going on. But before they left the locker room, Anthony Richardson, when he was like kind of just looking at his phone, towel around his waist, whatever, just taking a shower, Shane Sykin had changed into his street clothes and and walked over and, and kind of just patted him on the shoulder. And they had like a talk for probably about two minutes. I can't tell you what was said or what the gist of it was, but I imagine it was something along the lines of, hey, we're right there and you know, you're on your way. And so it feels like that tandem could be a really fruitful one considering how well it started. I mean, Anthony Richardson has seven touchdowns through his first three games. Obviously, has the two turnovers, the lost fumble, and the interception. But for all intents and purposes, he looks a lot better than a lot of people anticipated. And I think even those who thought it was going to be better than what he showed in college, I don't know if they anticipated this. Like, he looks very comfortable. And... Even with the completion percentage stuff, like last game it dipped a lot. I think it was 11 for 25 or whatever. But that's why you got to watch the game because it didn't feel like he was just out there throwing in completions and he never had a chance. It was like the tale of two halves. You know, first half was terrible by everyone, even Matt Gay after that historic week missed the field goal. Um, I guess he's guess he's got to be outside, you know, to make history. And But then, you know, they come back in the second half and – 
Richardson scores 22 of their 23 points because they need, and then the crazy part is they needed all of those two point conversions and they got them. And so you're, you're waiting for like that, that gut punch. And it did happen in overtime with Puka Nakua going crazy on a Colts defense that insisted on being in this soft zone. And by the numbers, Puka Nakua has torched every zone he's faced this season. So we can get into that whenever. But <laughs> to get back to the point, again, the theme of my story was yeah, they lost, but this guy gives them a chance in every game. And I was kind of waiting for them to like get blown out just because of how the game was going. But Shane Sykin and this team, man, they, they seem like they're not going to lay down. And that's a, that's a good sign for any team in the NFL. And obviously one that's kind of coming off a year where there were some games that, that kind of got away from them when they were in it or when they were down. And so this was, uh, again, no moral victories. And, I man, Anthony was not trying to hear that. He was actually – he was mad after that, after that game. Um, usually he's like the smiley – you know, there's some levity there. There's some youthfulness there. No, he was, you know, not mean, not rude, but just irritated. You could tell that, that they didn't get it done. And so – that's when you see sort of that competitive nature come out. We talk about how great of a young man he is and he's raised right and he's got this high character. Yeah, he's also not going to be, you know, in some, you know, commercial for, you know, oh, moral victories. Like, no, that guy is, <laughs> he was mad. He was so mad that they lost. And so uh, I'm sure a lot of listeners will appreciate that. And obviously who's happy after a loss, but there's different ways you carry it. And that's the first time I've seen him where he just like, didn't smile at all during the press conference, like even mentioning the good plays that he had. He was very introspective and just kind of mad that they didn't get the job done, even after putting together, like I said, a pretty Herculean effort in the second half. I got to tell you, I was smiling while you were talking. I think any Colts fan listening to that, you talk about the way Anthony Richardson handled that. Like, I don't know how you don't have a smile across your face the whole time you hear that kind of thing. Like, and also, like, that's this is why you listen to this podcast for James, James telling you stuff like that. Like, that's that's beautiful. I tweeted it out, but. Yeah, there is no more. It doesn't feel like, oh, got the first game under my belt, rookie year. You know, wow, that was fast or wow, that was cool or wow, didn't expect that. He did have one moment like that about Aaron Donald because he was like, man, I was watching this guy last year and I got to play him now. And that was kind of crazy. But it also wasn't the like, I'm going to be frozen by, you know, superstardom. No, that's a great player. And I'm just going to go out there and try to offset it and he nearly did it um with some crazy throws none more impressive to me than the 38 yarder that he sent to alec pierce while aaron donald is like tackling him and throwing him to the ground i mean he just jumps and flicks it and again you can teach the read hey this is where you're supposed to go with the ball but you can't teach how he delivered it because that was incredible and credit to alec pierce because he made that contested catch that everyone's kind of been talking about and it jump-started them um, throughout that comeback. Because at that point, I think it was 23-8. Second and 20, they get that completion, biggest play of the game, or longest play of the game. And then they end up obviously going down to score again to make it a one-score game, and they keep the ball rolling from there. So um, hats off to Anthony Richardson, who may or may not be getting some relief um, in the backfield this week. Ha! You see, you took me away. I was about to go do my, my pocket presence stuff with Anthony Richardson, <laughs> but I can't, I can't avoid that segue from you. So we'll just do it. We'll just do it. We'll talk pocket presence another time. I mean, I feel like if I'm listening to this, or I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I sensed it. I sensed it. That's good. No, no, no. Uh, you teed me up, Jonathan Taylor. 
is going to be activated. At least that's the plan. We, you know, today is Tuesday. They say they're going to activate him. Uh, that twenty-one day window, I should say. I, act, I guess right. activate the twenty-one day window, not activate him to play. To be clear, starting on Wednesday. So Jonathan Taylor will be back, and reportedly, and by reportedly, I mean Shane Sykin said he is excited. Quote: Super excited. I thought that I saw you tweet that, and I can't remember who the commenter was immediately. Immediately <laughs> replied, and "Let's let's hear JT say that." Right. Like, I hear right, him say right. that, which, which I thought was the perfect response. Because as far as we know, some of the national reports that we saw last week are that little has changed. He wants to be out. He wants to be traded, but also. The situation has changed a little bit. I think everybody thought the running game wouldn't be quite as strong. Uh, And by everybody, I mean, you know, Jonathan Taylor and his agent probably didn't think the Colts running game was going to be as strong uh, without him. I think they thought they were probably going to be, you know, one and three, oh, and four at this time and desperate to have him back. And, you know, the season slipping away. Maybe they do trade away Jonathan Taylor, that kind of stuff. Now, hey, two and two, two big division games coming up against Tennessee and Jacksonville. The division looking gettable. I mean, again, I'm, you know, I'm still not at the point where you're picking the Colts to win the division, but because I, you know, everybody kind of looks interesting in the division right now. You're all two and two. Yeah. Everybody I said, I, I don't know how it's going to spin out. It's, it's going to be a weird division, but point is Taylor's not coming back to the situation. I think he thought he was going to be coming back to a month ago. And I know you've been on this bandwagon from the start. Like, if he's determined to get out of Indianapolis, the best path for him probably is to come back, play as well as he can, and then figure it out in the offseason. Yeah, so let's look at Shane Steichen's quotes from yesterday and respect him for just addressing it because I was, again, I was not going to ask anything about the previous game. I know there were a few questions about Anthony Richardson, Dallas Flowers, who towards Achilles in is out. Quiddy Pay, who was in concussion protocol, obviously big blows to the team. And Hart goes out to Dallas Flowers. Really nice guy, underdog store, all those things. He posted something on tw- uh, Instagram yesterday, and he was saying, like, you know, basically just watch for the comeback. So respect to him. But obviously the biggest news is JT, and he says, uh, this is verbatim what Shane Sykin said. In regards to Jonathan Taylor, he'll be back with the team. He's practicing Wednesday. He'll be out there with us. I had a great, I had great conversations with him. He's super excited to be back with his teammates and looking forward to having him. Now, to pivot really quickly, the Colts, not announced, but like the team basically let us, the reporters, know that they're going to do a walkthrough on Wednesday now instead of a regular practice. Walkthroughs are not open to the public. So we will not see JT on the field until Thursday now. And we don't have a reason for that just yet. We'll find out, obviously, tomorrow when we ask about it. But my theory is that they're banged up. I mean, you got three players right now in concussion protocol with Quiddy Pay, Ryan Kelly, Bernard Ryman. Um, you lose your one of your starting cornerbacks for the year with a torn Achilles, a ruptured Achilles, and then you have the two overtime games back to back. So it's a lot of wear and tear on the bodies, extra quarter. And they went down to the wire pretty much all of them. Um, these weren't like quick overtime, first drive out of there. It was, you know, um, it, I mean, obviously for the the Rams it was, but the one against the Ravens, it went down to the wire. So all that considered, it kind of makes sense why they would take another day to maybe just recoup and and let their bodies rest. So that's something to keep in mind. But Wednesday is the day that we could potentially even see JT, let's say, in the locker room. Doesn't have to talk to us media people until he's activated to the 53-man roster, which hasn't happened yet. But if he is there, if he is around, I'm sure I and many others will be asking, is he talking today? Because as much as everyone is excited about what Shane Sykin said, and rightfully so, I mean, you get a – if you get a healthy all-pro running back back to add to this team, 
I mean, wow. I mean, that that backfield with him, you know, Zach Moss and Anthony Richardson kind of running the show, that is a very dynamic backfield. However, as you alluded to, Jim, and the commenters out there who are uh, very witty, we haven't heard from Jonathan Taylor since June. And there has been no I'm back tweets. There hasn't been any Instagram posts like, hey, you know, working hard to come back. And he hasn't officially rejoined the team. Like the 21-day window is a step in the right direction, but it does not mean that he is going to play. Now, Shane Sykin said that, you know, it's a possibility. There's a chance he could play this upcoming Sunday against the Titans. So that's something to definitely, uh, I guess, salivate over. But I want to hear from JT himself, okay? I have heard from Jim Irsay, I've heard from Shane Steichen, and I've heard a lot of things over the last few months about how JT might feel. I want to hear from the guy himself. And, I mean, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't. It's time to ask the hard questions. Why did you miss so much time if the surgery was successful, which you said it was. He was perfect success. You said that in April, so why did it take so long to come back? What was holding you back? Do you still want to be traded? Point blank. I mean, he's not going to answer that. I don't think so, but I will ask. What's your relationship like with Jim Irsay right now, with Chris Ballard? Have you spoken to either one? Like, I mean, seriously, even tomorrow when Shane gets up there and I didn't have a chance to really think about it in the moment because I was just trying to get the news out there. But him saying, oh, JT, I had conversations with JT. He's super excited to be back with his teammates. I want to ask, okay, what did he say or show or do to give you that excitement? Because he hasn't been around. So I'm like, when was this excitement displayed? Was it you know, in the early morning hours of his rehab before he left the building and no one else saw him for the rest of the day because we haven't seen the guy. He hasn't been around the team. We, we haven't seen him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at right now. And oh, one more uh, health note, Jelani Woods, second-year tight end, still on IR with the hamstring injury. That's obviously not ideal. But in his absence, I guess the Colts have kind of offset that with the emergence of Drew Ogletree playing pretty well. Colin Granson had the obviously the, the big drop, hard catch, but drop um there late. He did have the fourth down catch that kept their, you know, game tying drive, I believe, alive. So don't want to kill him too much. But again, all of those things considered, I mean, the news is JT. It's it's always been JT, I guess, if it's not Anthony Richardson. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Juggle full Joel Erickson on you. I, I think that the, Michael Pittman not making that play. Michael Pittman not making that play in the end zone on that like perfectly thrown ball. Again, I know he was probably held a little bit. Yeah, that was crazy. I think he got like his face mask kind of pushed at the last second, so he couldn't see it again. But tough break. I watched it like like I've watched that replay like ten times. I can't believe I'm saying this because it was from thirty yards away. But I think Richardson put too much sauce on it. Like it was like it just zipped past him, and I Pittman kind of couldn't get his hands over in time. So anyway, uh, that what we're talking about, and I don't want to dive back into uh, Anthony Richardson's tools, which I could talk about for years. JT, uh, here's the thing: uh, you mentioned what Shane's saying that they had a good conversation. He's excited to be back with, very excited to be back with his teammates. My thought is, why wouldn't he be happy with? Shane Steichen. He doesn't have a problem with Shane Steichen. You know, he, he doesn't know Shane Steichen. Yeah, Shane Steichen never promised good him point. anything. Or and again, that's again not implying the Colts did, but they did him first and things. 
And again, his teammates. No reason does not still love his teammates. He's a guy he's known for years. Again, I assume he wishes the best for them and wants them to win because he likes a lot of these guys and they all love JT. At least that's what we all thought, at least for the last three and a half years. I think that his relationship with the coach, his relationship with the players, I guess it could be strained a little bit, obviously, given what's happened. But for them, I think it was like out of sight, out of mind. He's not here. We're moving on. And we're not mad at him. We're not happy with him, whatever. And they just moved on. So I think his relationship with them is probably okay. And he might tell Shane Steichen, I am excited to get back. Now, as you said, what is his relationship? He still ends up playing, you know, he's still got to wear that horseshoe on the side of his helmet. So does he want that? Does he want to? And, and, and the guy who owns that horseshoe right now is not somebody Jonathan Taylor is very happy with. So how does that change things? It's an interesting, I mean, again, it's a complicated dynamic because in theory, Jonathan Taylor doesn't really have to deal with Jim Mersey for the rest of the year. He could just get on the field, do his thing and deal with it in the off season and, and be happy with his teammates and be happy with Shane Steichen. And I know that's what a lot of Colts fans probably want. Like you said, you're going to have to ask a lot of hard questions because how is he going to compartmentalize? Is he going to be able to separate the off field stuff from what he wants to be able to do on the field? Cause some guys can, some guys can't. Yeah. The GM and the owner basically decided, Hey, we're not going to pay you early. And for as much as some would like to believe, Oh, they're just telling him he has to come back and, you know, be healthy and play well, and he'll get an extension. Like Jim Irsay never said he wouldn't pay him right now. True. But history would suggest that they're never going to pay him. Josh Jacobs had an incredible season last year. Didn't matter. Got a little bit more than the franchise tag. Same with Saquon Barkley. Got a little bit more than the franchise tag after an incredible year. So with JT, he can come back and run for 5,000 yards. <laughs> they are not going to pay him more than they have to, at least in my opinion. Now, that could change, but Chris Ballard was asked last time we spoke to him, hey, is the franchise tag off the table? And he was like, we haven't used it, but it's a tool. It's a tool to be used right now, honestly, and, and, and every GM in the league will probably do the same thing. As much as we want to speculate about how JT might feel, the bottom line is, as I've outlined in many others, but looking through the CBA, he didn't have many options. He still doesn't. You know, there is sort of like a loophole there where he could come back and practice and he would be physically able to perform. And then at that point, it's up to the team to decide if they want to activate him. But it's not like they do want to play him and, and he has to play. But, I mean, enthusiasm is in the eye of the beholder and it can change when you look at, okay, I'm coming off of this physically unable to perform list. I want to ensure that I'm able to become a free agent next year. The easiest way for me to do that is to play, whether I'm happy about it or not. And so uh, happiness, enthusiasm, all that changes when you look at your $4.3 million salary and you realize if you hold out, you're giving up one eighteenth of that every week, which I think is like $238,000. And you could be fined $44,000 a day for each work that you miss. And you might have to give back or you could be mandated to give back your signing bonus and roster bonus, other bonuses you received over the years. So yeah, when you look at it from that perspective, JT's definitely excited to come back because there are no other options um, realistically, unless he wants to roll the dice on a third party arbitrator who could decide if he honored his contract till the end or if he didn't. And that is a 50, 50 bet which I don't even know if it's 50-50 because the CBA leans so heavily in owners in this case where you have to fulfill your contractual obligations. So um, either way, 
I think the biggest thing beyond just him being back is, like you said, Jim, what's the morale level, sort of? Like, what's the attitude? What is he going to bring to the locker room? Like, which, again, is sort of hardened at this point. They're in it together. They've been through a month of the season. They believe in Anthony Richardson. They can't have somebody coming in who isn't pulling in that direction just as hard. And so we'll have to see. And again, let's keep in mind that while there's a possibility he could play this upcoming Sunday, he has not participated in an on-field team activity since the Colts lost at Minnesota last year. I don't think he's even practiced since like week 13 or something of last year. Shane Steichen left the door open for him playing Sunday, but that feels like I wouldn't say impossible, but it's it feels very highly, highly unlikely, right? If, he, I mean, if he's out there, I, I would, I would over under maybe ten and a half touches. I mean, you just you can't. He, I mean, I would be. I mean, honestly, that would be the most superhuman thing that I've seen outside of Anthony Richardson. If JT comes back and has like twenty carries for like eighty five yards or something like that, or dare I say a hundred? Like, I mean, what? Like you said, the guy hasn't been on a football field competitively in nine months. Yeah, like. As many Colts fans are listening to this to this uh to this podcast. There are some few fantasy managers out there, and I'm sure they are curious what you think will happen. Oh man! Once Jonathan Taylor does, if if I gotta ask it, Jonathan Taylor does get back into the mix. What are you thinking it, it will be with Zach Moss? Like Zach Zach Moss has been good. I mean, I was just looking through his numbers. You know, six of his eight best rushing games at this point now, at least in terms of total yardage, are with the Colts. He's got. 100 yard game this year already. He's he's been effective. He's caught a he's caught a touchdown pass. He looks good in the passing game. Like that boss looks good. Like way better than I think a lot of people thought he would be. My guess, and again, I'm asking you, is that they're not going to want to cut him out completely. So, what do you think it's going to look like? I think in a perfect world, and this is assuming that JT comes back fully healthy, whether it's you know week five or week six, or whatever. Right. Right. And the splits probably look something like you know, 18 carries for JT and like 10 or 12 for Zach Moss, where you're able to still give both the amount of touches they can, they need to be successful or to have an impact on the game while also staying healthy. That's the biggest thing because right now without JT, it's been the Zach Moss show. And while he's really carried that running game, realistically, two things are going to happen. He's going to run out of gas because he's just so tired um, from accumulating so many carries and hits and all those things. But two, injuries. The more you are likely to carry the ball, the more likely you are to get hurt. Well, Jonathan Taylor knows that. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, that's part of the reason why he wants to hold out. He wants a job security. And not to mention, Zach Moss is in a contract year as well. Obviously, different leverage points because he's not a superstar like JT, but still... Nonetheless, you're in a position in your career where, you know, an injury could be really catastrophic to whatever you can earn going forward. So all of that in mind, it's still better news than not to at least hear from a coach perspective to hear that, OK, this guy is going to rejoin practice. And I'm very curious to see what the interactions are like during practice, because I'm not an expert in body language. But when he was out there watching this past training camp, wasn't all that engaged. Now, he did interact with his teammates, saw a couple high fives here and there, but for the most part, he was just standing there stoically in a hoodie, mad, and not going to be priority number one, but I will be checking to see what kind of hoodie he has on, if he has one on. If we see hoodie-less JT 
maybe I'll finally concede that, okay, he's happy. He wants to be back. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Just... <laughs> so we'll see. I love it. We'll see. <laughs> Last thing we're going to get into before we get out of here. Uh, it's kind of the other big topic that people are talking about right now. I don't know how to classify it. I guess sad. I don't know what, you know, Shaq Leonard been a damn good player for Indianapolis for, for, for many years now at this point. And, and obviously he's had to deal with a few things injury wise that it's just been really, really, really tough for him to bounce back from. And I think we're seeing that he is, uh, as you pointed out again, before we started this thing up, his, his playing time is going down, not going up, which I think everybody thought maybe going into the year, Hey, they bring him along slowly. Things will creep up and he'll get back to being the Shaq Leonard that we all know. Instead, his playing time has gone down the last three weeks and he was on the sideline during some crucial moments against the Rams. Yeah. So the breakdown for his snap counts over the last four weeks, he played 60 snaps in week one on defense, 86% played another 60 snaps in week two, but that was 71% of the defensive snaps overall went down to 50 snaps in week three against Baltimore, 69%. And then last week against the Rams was the first time he blipped blip dropped. I'm sorry below 50 percent 37 snaps 45 percent of the defensive opportunities out there so not a number that you would expect to go that way considering the player he's been if he is fully healthy all those things now I'll give him some slack there because he was off for so long but clearly the Colts can't wait around for him to be who he once was they have to sort of go with who they think is going to give them the best opportunity and as of late, that's meant giving EJ Speed, who, again, had the boneheaded, as he put it, late hit on Matthew Stafford. But he has made impact plays in every game. And, you know, he's gone from 29 snaps in week one to 45 snaps in week two, dropped down 36 snaps in week three, but then went back up to 45 snaps in week four, which was 55% of the snaps season high. Um, on defense. So he's the guy who has to play. And then the, the most alarming thing was when Zaire Franklin briefly left due to a back injury, um, and he ended up returning to the game. When he left for a few snaps, it wasn't EJ Speed and Shaq. It was EJ Speed and Sagoon Alubi, who Sagoon hadn't played defensive snap all year, get seven of them, you know, playing in the absence of Zaire Franklin while Shaq Leonard watching the sideline. And um, I know he was probably not pleased with that but it's something to keep an eye on because as I wrote about earlier this year before the season started the Colts have an out he's got three years and about 46.7 million dollars left on his deal that's Shaq and they could potentially cut him next year and only have to deal with an eight million dollar cap hit and in, in, or in dead cap so that's what's looming over Shaq Leonard over the same it's not personal at all. I think the guy has obviously done a lot of great things in his career, was off to a Hall of Fame trajectory to start his career. But since the back surgeries, which he had two of them, I mean, can't discredit how hard those things I imagine are hard to are, are, are difficult to come back from. But he hasn't been that same player. And it looks like, at least from what I saw, a few of the um not saying I I know I didn't go back and watch the entire game um against the Rams, but some of the coverage when it was a passing downs coverage downs he wasn't in there on those plays and as we know I mean Matthew Stafford isn't a dual threat guy he's not gonna you know beat you with his legs he'll extend plays with his legs they're gonna run for many first downs he's gonna pick you apart and that's what they did and they didn't have him out there for that Shane Sykin was asked 
after the game, was it injury related with Shaq? And he said, no, flatly. And then he was follow up. Hey, well then what, what is it with the linebacker snap breakdown? And he just said, Hey, we're rotating the guys in there. And it was as simple as that. There was no, Oh, we have to get Shaq back in there. Oh, he's rounding it to form. It was kind of just like, and, and again, it's after the game. So I'm, I'm sure Shane's not like thinking super deeply about one player, probably thinking about the overall outcome, but it's something to keep an eye on going forward. Cause I think when you have a month to look at, that's a pretty decent sample size to, to kind of not cherry pick from like that's, at some point, and we'll probably give it a few more weeks, but I would say, well, by the bye in week nine or ten, whatever it is, we will know for sure what's going on with that linebacker room and how much of it is just we're playing the guys we think we can win with. So, yeah, tough. Yeah, just to give you guys kind of the, the gory details that, that James had, uh, had, had touched on there is it's $8 million in dead cap. If they cut them after the year, they can save $12 million. And if they decide they want to kick the can down the road a little bit and spread out the, the dead cap hit, they could do the post-June one cut thing, be four million dead this year, or, you know, 24, four million dead in 25, but that would save them $16 million against the cap. So that's going to be really hard for them to to pass up the kind of cap shavings unless Jack Leonard takes a significant step forward in, I mean, you can't pay a guy that much money to play the amount of snaps he's currently playing. Now, again, I was gonna say, well, I was about to say we're through a quarter of the season. We're not because the NFL's stupid and now goes to seventeen games and messes up with all the you know those fun stats. But we're almost a quarter of the way through the season, and if it, this trend continues, it's hard to imagine Shaq Leonard being on the Colts at least under the current contract that he's on next year. Maybe they rework it. Maybe they figure something else out. I don't know. And again, lots of time. I think we all talked about progress being or thought about progress maybe being linear. You know, hey, small steps, and he'd get back to who he was. Progress is not linear, not always, not all the time. Sometimes you take small steps back before you get back to who you are. So, especially a guy like Shaq Leonard, who feasts on negative, who feasts on negativity, and and everybody that doubted him, and that's usually when he's at his best. So, still plenty of time for him to get back to be the guy he was. But it's, it's off to a rocky start. I, I don't think there's any other way to say it. Yeah, and objectively speaking, Zaire Franklin's been their best linebacker, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. If he keeps this up, he could be, you know, a first-time Pro Bowler. That, that That's how well he's played. And like I said, EJ Speed has had an impact play in pretty much every game. Like Shaq Leonard has one tackle for loss this season, and that's about it. No sacks, no quarterback hits, no forced fumbles, nothing like that. And you look at EJ Speed, who, again, hasn't received the same amount of snap numbers, a tackle for loss in week one with a forced fumble, two tackles for loss in week two with a QB hit, um, one tackle for loss in week three, and then obviously had like the huge blanket coverage on, I believe it was Mark Andrews, or not not Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers to force um, the Ravens to punt last week. And then that, that ends up being, or two weeks ago, that ends up being, you know, the, the the segue into Matt Gay's historic performance, walk-off win, whatever. And then last week against the Rams, one QB hit, one pass deflection. So he's making a play that that changes the tenor of the game every time he's out there. And you have to decide, okay, how long can we keep this guy who's making plays on the sideline? And we talked about this, me and EJ, before the season, I believe, or early in the season. And he, this wasn't a, a personal thing against Shaq or Zaire or anybody else in the linebacker room, but I asked him, I said, what is it like when you're trying to get a spot or get an opportunity in a linebacker room that is as proven as a guy who is Zaire Franklin, you know, single-season tackles record guy, and then the guy who, bro- who, who whose record he broke is right next to him, Shaq Leonard. And he was like, well, I don't compete against those guys. 
I compete against, you know, basically my coaches. I want to I want to force them to make it hard to take take me off the field, regardless of who's out there with me. And that's what he's doing right now at a very high level so far. So um, there's deficiencies with all the different linebackers. Is is EJ a, a really great cover guy? You know, remains to be seen. Things like that. But when you look at impact, he's he's had a, a bigger impact. I think that's fair to say than Shaq Leonard. But hey, season's early. He's uh he's got time. And again. The bigger thing, the biggest takeaway beyond just Shaq's own personal thing is that he and everyone else believes in number five. Number five gives him a chance. He can play really well. And if number five gets paired number 28, I mean, I asked Drew Ogletree that yesterday. Like, you've been around the game for a number of years now. Have you ever been around a team that has two super athletes like that? And he was kind of just like, it's going to get scary if they're if they're dialed in because zone read read options like good luck like if you guess wrong you know with Zach Moss it's like okay you give up eight nine yards maybe a first down maybe even 20 yard run whatever you guess wrong with JT and he's at full strength peak JT he's gone and it's a touchdown so if you're asking me from like a viewing standpoint what I want to see it's probably that but realistically there's a lot more layers to it there's always the human side of it is it Madden you know just insert him back into the lineup and things are good you kind of have to see what the human side is, is is talking about, and we'll get more of that hopefully here in the near future because if he does play this Sunday beyond just playing, got to talk to us, and uh, we'll get to the bottom of whatever is going on or what's been going on and finally hear from him because we haven't talked to JT since June 14th. That was summer. It is now fall. So <laughs> this, is, this is the same month with Halloween. And, you know, we haven't talked to the guy since before the 4th of July. So it's been a while, but I'm excited. I mean, never a dull day here in Coastland, that's for sure. Uh, and I'm sure you're, uh, you're you're very informed about that, Jim, just because every year there's always something with this team. Always something. Just a little nugget I wanted to tell you guys. Jonathan Taylor does come back. Colts are facing eight-man boxes on just 23% of their snaps. That's 25th in the NFL. That means there are some light boxes for Jonathan Taylor to exploit. If he does come back and play, so that temptation, I mean, you can all just start thinking of what that might look like. But for now, we got James on hoodie watch. So that's what we're going with, the hoodie watch, until we know exactly what's going on with JT. And until then, thanks for joining us.